we walk by faith or not by sight. See, we are not to be thrown off by our circumstances and our feelings about what's going on. That's what throws us off, our circumstances and our feelings. But God said we don't walk by feelings, we walk by faith. Because your feelings will cause you to be sad and sorrow and fearful. But your faith will cause you to have confidence that God is going to bring you out. Believers ought to live on the promises of God and on the Word of God. Welcome to The Light of the World, and this is Jerry G. Martin. The only hope we have is in Christ Jesus. It doesn't matter what you're going through. The hope in Christ is eternal. You may be facing some tremendous challenges right now. Join us today as we share this message with you about hope. The Bible says, for the Lord's sake, Peter was careful to point out that Christians in a society represents Jesus Christ. You represent Jesus Christ on your job. Well, I can put it this way. How many of you are on a job right now and the people that work with you don't know you're a Christian? I'm going to see if you want to confess that. I work on a job, but the folks don't know anything about my beliefs. They don't know that I'm a Christian. They don't know that I go to church. They don't know that I read the Bible. They don't know that I serve. They don't know that I pray. They don't know that I have faith. They don't know any of that. How many people say that? I go to work. These folks don't know nothing about me. I've been there 12 years. If that's not the case... The people that work with you know then that you are a believer. That's what you're telling me. How many people are working in a place where the folks know you're a believer? Uh, somebody now didn't raise your hand on either one. So w- which one is it? How many of you work in a place or in a job, wherever, where the folks know you're a believer? You work around folks. They know it. Well, when they know it, they are looking at you to see how a believer is supposed to function. So you say you're a believer, you say you're a Christian, but isn't it ironic how strange how unbelievers know how believers are supposed to act? They say, you say you're a Christian, how can you act like that? Well, when you are a believer, you are representing Christ on your job. Not only are you representing Christ on your job, you're representing Christ at the restaurant when you're eating. You're representing Christ at the gas station when you're getting your gas. And when you're talking to the attendant, you're representing Christ when you're hanging up on the marketer that called your house. And you just hang up on them with a mean attitude. I don't want to hear that. You're representing Christ. Answer the phone that says, you have just reached a Christian. How can I help you? Try that. Answer your phone that way. You've just reached a Christian. How can I help you, please? Peter was careful to point out that, again, that Christians are representative of Christ. And that's true when it comes to our relationships with the government officials and with people in authorities. Listen, it's possible to submit to the institution and still disobey an unjust law. So it doesn't mean that because you are submissive that you have to Uh, obey everything if it is unjust or against God's word. For example, when uh, Daniel and his three friends refused to obey the king's dietary regulations, they disobeyed the law, but the way they did it proved that they honored the king. They asked for permission. Can we do something different? This is against our, our principle. 
can we do something different? They honored the king and they respected the authority. They were not rebels. They weren't trying to get everybody else together. Let's go on a hunger strike until we can get this done. No, they didn't try to embarrass the officials. They worked through the system. They glorified God and at the same time, they honored the authority of the king. How does that work for us today? We're not in kings and kingdoms and have uh, these authorities, but what we do have are kings, if I can use that word, and authorities, primarily that affects us on our jobs if we are employed. Now, if you are an employer, you are serving your customers. If you are an employee, you have a boss. And how many of you in here just love your boss? So I was going to ask it the other way, but I started, I better ask it in the positive. We had three people love their boss. The other don't, don't love them. Y'all just like them. How many of you wish you had another boss? You wish you had another boss. You wish you had somebody else. But the thing that is, is valuable to we, us as believers is that we have to function day by day in this system. That'd be okay if you were born rich and you didn't have to work. You, can, you lived on an island by yourself and all your needs met. You got servants waiting on you. You don't have to interact with anybody. You know, Howard Hughes, who was a recluse, he lived by himself, just had somebody come and give him something to eat and whatever, and he didn't see anybody. He didn't need to see anybody. So he, nobody messed with him. He didn't mess with anybody. But he was uh, isolated and alone. But we don't live that way. We have to get up regularly, daily, weekly, monthly, yearly, 10 years, 20 years, 30 years, and interact with people. And if we're not careful, we can find ourselves in a situation where constantly we're not enjoying our life on a day-by-day basis because we got to do all these interactions. We can come to church and have a good time for a few minutes, but we got to get up the next day and go to work, and that work is drudgery. I've been in a place where I hated to go to work. Why is that? Because of the environment, the people, the circumstances that are going on. But I found out that I had to change that. I have to change that. It became important to me to enjoy my life every day. I want to enjoy my life every day. So what do I need to do different so that I can enjoy my life every day regardless of how challenging it might be? It doesn't mean that it's not challenging. It means that even with the challenges, I have found a way to enjoy Somebody asked me one time, how can you come into this job singing like that, coming from the parking lot? I will enter his gates with thanksgiving. I mean, I'm singing out loud, walking in. How can you come in like that? All of my self-worth and identity is not tied up in this job. I come in here and I do what I need to do and I'm on out of here. I ain't thinking about this. I told somebody one time, don't worry about the mule, just load the wagon. I'm good. So whatever you need to do, I can only do so much. I mean, I ain't trying to do everything. I'm going to do it to the best of my ability. I'm going to do it as you want me to do it, but I'm going to enjoy whatever it is. It may be tough. It may be challenging, but I'm going to find a way to make this work so that I can enjoy. I need to enjoy the people I'm around. And if it's a situation where we're having conflict, I'm going to go and work that so that we can work that conflict. My point is, you are in control of your enjoyment. 
The authorities are not in control of it. But if you buck the system in terms of all the authorities that's in there, that doesn't mean you can't ever question or you can't ever try to push back on something. It means whenever you do it, you do it in a way that's going to be a blessing to you and not going to put you in a bad spot. That is what Peter is talking about. Look at what he says. God will get some glory out of how you do things, for it is God's will that by doing good, you should silence the ignorant talk of foolish men. If I fast forward, I remember one time I was at a, a meeting and uh, with management meeting, and I was sitting around the table. A couple of people were really giving me a hard time. By this time, I was saved. I, actually, I had been praying before I went into this meeting. I believed that we're great men of faith, that God can do mighty things. And so I was praying and believing that God would give me some wisdom to say some things that would just shut their mouths. Lord, would you just give me some wisdom that would just, just make them embarrassed and just shut their mouths by your divine power in the name of Jesus. Speak to me, Lord. And the Lord spoke to me and said, shut up. Don't say a word. So as they just really gave me a hard time and was really beating up on me. I didn't say a word because I wanted to get something arranged and I wanted to have it done a certain way. By the time the meeting was over and the discussion was over, it was decided to arrange that thing in the way that I wanted it. Thank you, Lord. I didn't have to say a thing. About a week later, I got a note from another manager that said I was watching how you responded while you were under attack. And I'm impressed that your Christian virtue proved itself at that meeting. Your talk or what God does can silence foolish men who are trying to take advantage of you. You never know who's watching you and who's looking at you. I, I done already told people I'm saved now and I'm a different person and I've given my life to Christ and my walk has changed, my talk has changed, my way has changed, my approach has changed. I have said all that, but I need to demonstrate that. So other folks that I said it to is checking. So for the Lord's sake, wherever you are, I believe that each of us have the capacity with God's help to have every day be a blessed day wherever we are. Every day to be a blessed day. That's why the scripture says, in all your ways acknowledge the Lord and he will direct your path. When you get up in the morning, you're asking God's blessing. You're asking his wisdom. You're asking his favor. You're asking him how to respond under these situations that are very tough and challenges. Instead of just laying in the bed all night long, figuring out what you're going to say and how you're going to get back or how you're going to tell somebody off that's going to mess with you, sit up and pray and ask God, how do I need to handle this? Give me the strength. Give me the peace in the middle of a storm just to weather this storm, God, and I thank you and I praise you. He'll give you peace right in the middle of a storm, right on your job. So there are things that we have to do according to the officials, according to government, according to regulations. So as much as possible, we need to seek to cooperate with the authorities, with the government, and obey the laws. We need to obey the laws, not allowing the law then to make us disobey God's word, but we need to obey the law. 
I was talking to somebody today who said they had got fired on their job. And I said, why did you get fired? And they were telling me what they were doing. And I said, it was a violation of company policy. Well, did you know that? And they said, yes. I said, well, why did you do it? I was just doing something. What do you mean you're just doing something? The policy say don't do that. So why are you doing that? Be a policy person. You know, I've been on both sides where I have uh, I've been the employee and, well, I've already been the employee, but I've been the manager that had to help make decisions on firing people and hiring people based on their performance and how they're acting. And that's very challenging, but some people make it real easy for you. You have to fight to hold their job, not to try to get rid of them because they just do all kinds of things. They, there were times when we were get, thinking about promoting somebody but they done flew off the handle and started acting crazy and we changed our minds about promoting them. We have to obey the authorities when we build this building because they're building codes. We can't say we're a church and you can't give us nothing. The authorities come by and we have to comply with the rules and the regulations. Uh, Peter then says that we ought to respect the authorities, respect the boss, respect, the, respect those who are in authority over us. It's going to help things go better with us. The boss is not your enemy. And Jesus made a distinction between us functioning in this world and functioning in the secular world. Remember they asked him, should they pay taxes? Jesus said, give unto Caesar that which belongs to Caesar. And he's, in other words, he's saying, I'm not trying to start no rebellion here. Caesar has some goal, has some rules, has some policies, and we need to follow those. So if Caesar says, this is my money and you need to pay taxes on it, well, give to Caesar what's Caesar's and then give to God what is God's. Jesus did not make a lot of commentary on uh, the social issues of the day. Jesus didn't comment at all about slavery in terms of whether they ought to have slaves or not have slaves. He didn't talk about the Romans and whether they ought to be occupying or not occupying. He says, I'm not of this world. I'm not coming to deal with all of that. There's another world that I'm here to function in, and I want you all to focus on that one because this one is not going to last too long for you. So while you're here, you want to do things in a decent and proper order. I want you to be successful on your job right where you are. There are some people who never seem to be successful on their jobs. Every time you go to a job, you got the same struggle. And if you're struggling every time with the same struggle on every job, the problem is you, not your job. If everybody starts treating you the same way, every time I get a boss, he wants me to come to work on time. They're always getting on me. It's the white man. No, you just had all your bosses was white. Work for me. You'll find the same problem. How come you're not here? You're supposed to be here on time. You didn't come on time. You didn't call. This is work. You're supposed to be responsible and handle up on your business. So I'm not here to baby you. This is work. We pay you. Somebody else is standing in line at the door trying to get in. So if you're going to be successful, you're going to work for your family, you have to be a hard worker, you have to be the best worker. Every employee in this church ought to have in their goal, I'm going to be the best employee on my job. I'm going to be the best one. Whether I like the job or not, 
I need to be the best one on the job. And I'm going to tell you what to do if you don't like your job. This is practical teaching from the book of 1 Peter who's saying, you guys, God has a good plan for you. Jesus said he has an abundant life. If you're not living that abundant life, there's something wrong. Now, in our country, with the opportunities that are here, there are no excuses for failure, no excuses for not being successful in providing for your home and your family. If you are healthy, there's no excuses. I, I won't hear any. You can say, well, you, but you know, I ain't no but you know. You can do something. You can make it work. You can start somewhere. You just don't have no plan. You don't have no vision. You don't have no understanding. Get that together and then let's get busy. If you come and work for me, we'll get you there. All right? I'm going to take some time. I said I was going to take some questions if somebody have some so that we can um, share with you. Because somebody emailed me this question about their assignment on their job. Their question was, how do we address or handle co-workers who curse horribly and profusely with whom you are in direct contact a majority of the time? This includes long days of training, then working in close proximity with that person. Anybody else ever been there on a job where somebody just curse so, so much all the time? And the first thing, does it bother you? So if it don't bother you, you might need to come get saved again. How do we handle a coworker that's profane and horrible, this person says? It's a great opportunity for a believer to make an impact on that person's life. First of all, I'm going to talk to God about them before I talk to them about anything. You begin to pray for that person and ask God's direction and favor to help you to minister to that person in an appropriate manner. I say in an appropriate manner. I was in a meeting one time. There was a couple of people who were using a lot of profanity in the meeting. This is a management meeting. Finally, I said, I am so thankful to be in a meeting with people who have been educated in some of the finest universities in the world. I know that the vocabulary is expansive. And we can get our point across without using profanity to the degree that it's being used in this meeting. I didn't say to the person, you need to cut that out. You're unholy. You're ungodly. But I appeal to their intellect. They're all smart. I know you're smart enough to communicate with a better vocabulary than that. So you can talk to a person and just say, sometimes, quite often, it's very uncomfortable for me to be around people who use this profanity. I'm not sure what I need to do with that, but I just wanted to share that with you. You talk about the situation and not about the person. See the difference? You can say to them, I don't like the way you talk. Then I don't like the way you talk either. Then you're in that kind of a situation. But if you're saying their talking is not the problem, what they're saying it is, uh, profanity really makes me uncomfortable, and I'm not quite sure what to do with that. Is there someone in here that have a question about your job or your situation or anything that it may be problematic and you want to know how you need to deal with it? Everybody's happy. Because I think everybody ought to have a plan on your job. No matter what your profession is, 
you ought to have a plan on your job about where you're headed. Some of you where you are, God wants you to be there in that turbulent place so you can help change it. That's when you need to ask him, Lord, help me. Help me to understand what the plan is for me here. Did you open the door for me? What do I need to do while I'm here? And you can change a lot of things on your job. You never know. You can have tough times, and a lot of you have had that. Don't get mad at the job. Don't have an attitude, because your attitude is going to show when you walk in the door. And I know you got an attitude. When, uh, when you've been a, a boss and a supervisor for a long time, you can read the people when they're coming in. I look at somebody as soon as they get there, and I say, in an hour and a half, they're going to come in here and tell me they got to go home. And an hour and a half or so, they're coming in. I don't feel too good. I got to go home. I saw that when they were coming in through the door. You'll have another employee that's just so sick, you got to go over to their room and say, you know, you, you're not feeling good. You need to go home. No, I'm going to stay. I'm going to try to finish. I got some things. I, no, get up and go home. You got one that you can't make go home and the other one you can't make work. But you see that when you're there. You see that attitude. You see, well, I, I got to go tell that employee something. And I know it's going to be hard because every time I tell them something, they want to argue about it. They want to argue about it. Why are you getting on me? Why, well, I'm getting on you because I'm the boss. And you're not doing what I asked you to do. But you can change that wherever you are. God wants you to prosper. God wants you to be blessed. He'll bless your attitude. He'll bless your humility. He'll bless you when you're functioning with the fruit of the Spirit on your job. And so that others can see uh, his good work in your life and God can open doors for you. You want God to open the door for you? Be Christ-like on your job. Father, we just thank you right now. We ask you to help us, help every person in this place to be uh, successful wherever they are. There are some who's wondering about their future and about their profession or their vocation or their field or their business. Father, you're the one who come alongside of us and give us your grace and your favor. You're the one that opened doors for us. You're the one that give us favor with men and institutions. You're the one almighty God who as we reflect your light to others, you lift us up. You said that if we would humble ourselves, we can be exalted. We thank you that you're the one open doors. You're the one that give promotions. You're the one, almighty God, that give blessings and benefits and overflow. We thank you for it now. In the name of Jesus, let us at least and indeed be the light of the world wherever we are, day by day, moment by moment. And let us go forth with great joy and enjoyment in Jesus' name. I certainly hope that you've enjoyed today's broadcast as we have looked at living like Christ in a chaotic culture and having the hope that's eternal in Christ so that we're not looking only at what's going on with us now, but what Christ has in store for us. I want you to be encouraged today because our hope is in Christ Jesus. If you would like to hear today's message again, you can go to our podcast at The Light of the World Daily with Jerry G. Martin. You can listen to today's message or previous messages that have aired on this station. Let me take just a moment to invite you to be our guest at The Light of the World. We meet each Sunday in person 
at 16161 Old Humble Road in North Houston. If you're in Humble, Kingwood, Summerwood, Fall Creek, Northeast Houston, you're in our neighborhood. So come and be our guest. If you're going through some tremendous challenges in your life right now, call us for prayer at 281-964-1393. That's 281-964-1393. You can also visit us online at lowcf.org. lowcf.org. We are excited about having the Beacon Bookstore right here on our campus. People have been coming from all over the city to get Bibles, communion supplies, offering envelopes, books, and study material. So call the Beacon, 281-441-2885. Again, that's 281-441-2885. If the Beacon doesn't have it, we can order it for you. This is Jerry G. Martin saying, May the Lord our God richly bless you, and we'll be with you again next time.